Luke chapter 18, verse 35. And as Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. So he was approaching, I'm sorry, approaching Jericho. So he was approaching Jericho. Now, this is spoken about, this passage is also spoken about in Mark chapter 20, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 20. Same story is referenced in three of the different Gospels. If you go to the other two Gospels, it'll say that that Jesus was just leaving Jericho when this happened. And what it turns out is there are two Jerichos. There is the original Jericho, and just south of that is the New Testament Jericho. Two Jerichos, and they were separated. And that's not at all unusual. Uh, we have many cities here uh, in the United States where where you'll have a, a, a city that started to spring up, and then some other place, maybe a mile away or two miles away, other buildings started coming up, and that became... another part of the city, and then over time those two locations kind of merged all into one city. It's not at all unusual. Same thing was happening here. There were two Jerichos. He'd come through one, and he was on his way to the second, and that's when this event occurred. And as Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road and begging. So this man was blind, and he was begging. And uh, this was the social network. This was the social welfare system. For people in that day, there was no no government welfare system. The people were instructed to be generous and to give, and so so this is what they would do. They would beg, and they would get they they would get their sustenance that way. He was sitting by the side of the road begging. Now, hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. So he hears this group of people going by. This guy probably sat in the same place every day. And now he hears not just a small group. This is not just Jesus and his 12 disciples. And by the way, this is eight days before Jesus' crucifixion. So he's just about to, he's, he's in, in Jericho. He's just come back across the Jordan into the, the, uh, uh, the western side of the Jordan. And now he is going through Jericho and he is about to start the trek up into Jerusalem. That is going to be his last trip into Jerusalem prior to his crucifixion. This is eight days before his crucifixion. He's with a lot of people are walking with him. It's not just his twelve. There's a large crowd going with him. And so this blind man is is certainly quite attentive to that. And as you know, when a person is blind, their other senses just start turning on on, on, uh, uh, high power. And he realizes there's a large crowd here. And he, he, uh, he began to inquire, what is all this? Verse 37, they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. So somebody told him, oh, this Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So he had obviously heard of Jesus of Nazareth. So Jesus' ministry was three and a half years old at this point. And he had heard the great miracles that happened through Jesus. And as he's going by, it says that, that uh, um, verse 38, and he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's crying out, have mercy on me, son of David. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's crying out. He's not just saying it once. He's saying it multiple times. And those, it's in verse 39, those who led the way were sternly telling them to be quiet. Who are those who led the way? This is the disciples. So the disciples were, you know, usually took care of all the details. They were the ones leading the way. And they told him, be quiet, be quiet. They, you know, they, they see Jesus going by and they don't want this blind guy 
you know, interrupting Jesus' uh, trek from, from uh, between the two Jerichos and then on up into Jerusalem. And so they told him to be quiet. But he kept on crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, it's interesting. He's using a messianic term, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, at this time, was not responding to messianic terms. After the, the, uh, um, the unpardonable sin, after the unpardonable sin, well, prior to the unpardonable sin, Jesus used to heal masses of people. They would bring lots of people. You read in the scriptures. And he healed them. Whether they had faith or not, he healed them. Faith was, wasn't even a question. After the unpardonable sin, to the Jews, the only way he healed people, first of all, right at that point, immediately after that, you see he only spoke in parables. He didn't speak to the masses plainly. He spoke to his disciples plainly, but only spoke to the masses in parables. And even his disciples asked him, why are you speaking in parables now? You're not making sense. You see this immediate change after they denied his his uh, messiahship based on his being the claim that he was demon possessed. So because of that unpardonable sin, he went and an unpardonable sin is not something that you and I can commit. It is the denial of Jesus when they saw him on the grounds that he was demon possessed. And so what happened was after this point, he only healed individual Jews, only healed individual Jews based on faith. And he would often call them aside and he would heal them and they had to have a show of faith. With Gentiles, they didn't have to have that faith. He was still healing Gentiles in mass. But at this point, he was not responding anymore to messianic claims. He only responded to a show of faith. And so he's, he's disregarding this. And those who led the way sternly were telling him, be quiet. But he kept, but they, he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And as soon as the disciples, who thought they were in charge of everything, telling them to be quiet, as soon as they told them, hey, be quiet, Jesus stopped. Jesus will always go for the underdog. He will always go for the one who is being abused by others. And, uh, uh, when he was being abused by others, immediately Jesus stopped. And he says, in verse 40, and Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought, brought to him. So this guy's off on the side of the road, big crowd, blind man can't get to Jesus when there's a crowd there. If he were not blind, he could work his way through to Jesus. But blind man cannot do it when there's a crowd moving. He doesn't know exactly where, where Jesus is. He's blind. And so Jesus said, stopped and he commanded in verse 40, and they brought him. And when he came near, he questioned him. So Jesus started to question him. And so what you see here, Jesus is going to lead him. And Jesus does this over and over again. After the unpardonable sin, he leads people into a question where they can show their faith and boom, he heals them. He leads them into this. And this is what he did. It says that that uh, uh, in verse 41, he says, what do you want me to do for you? Very specific. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Because in answering this, in this blind man's answering this, and we know this blind man is named Bartimaeus, because in Mark it gives us his name. And so it's, remember, it's in Matthew and in Mark, and, and it, it describes his name. His, his name is Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. And, and uh, um, so he says to him, he says, what do you want me to do for you? So all this guy was doing was saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But Jesus is going to move him into the request. What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. 
And in fact, in my Bible, they have the two words, I want in italics, which means it's not even really there. It says, the literal translation is, Lord, regain my sight. That's it. Lord, regain my sight. Regain means that he must have seen at one time. He was not born blind because he's saying, I want to regain, meaning he had had, had it at one time. He said, Lord, regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Well, where was the faith? The show of faith we see, the show of faith actually is made clear to us uh, in, in another account. Uh, the, the show of faith in Mark chapter 10, verse 50, it tells us that when they said, he's, he's calling for you, he's calling for you, it says that the blind man in verse 50 of Mark chapter 10 says, throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and he came to Jesus. Throwing aside his cloak took off his cloak and threw it aside and went to Jesus. That was the show of faith. How do we know that was the show of faith? Because a blind man doesn't just throw his cloak aside, especially in a crowd, because he'll never get it again. If you're nearsighted and uh, uh, you're, you're heavily nearsighted and you wear glasses, uh, uh, you're very careful where, where you put those glasses. Because if you just put them willy-nilly any other place, you might not ever find them again. And so you always have a set place where you put them. A blind man doesn't just willy-nilly throw his coat to the side. He's very careful. This was his show of faith. At this point, he knew he was going to be healed. He had heard that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, heals people. And he knew he was going to be healed. His faith, his show of faith, his request coupled with a show of faith. His request coupled with a show of faith, Jesus said, uh, you're going to be healed. And, and, and it says in, in, back in, in uh, Luke chapter 18, Verse 42, Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, your faith has made you well. Receive your sight, your faith has made you well. Verse 43, Immediately he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. Alright, so now we have the context, we have what happens. Now let's see how we can relate this to our own lives. Look back up in verse 35. As Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Let me tell you, if you don't know Jesus, the Bible describes you, not me, the Bible describes you as blind. If you do not know God, if you do not know God through His Son, Jesus Christ, the Bible itself describes you as blind. And there's so much you can't see. When you receive the Lord, just your eyes just are opened. It says of Paul, it's as if scales came off his eyes when he believed. And, uh, uh, and, and it says, it says that, that there was a blind man sitting there. You can relate this also to, to believers. Believers who have not embraced the fullness of what Jesus has for them. Believers who don't embrace by faith all that Jesus has for them. Because people sometimes can get saved. So for, so for their justification, they believe that Jesus has saved them, that Jesus has died for their sins. But as far as sanctification, as far as their being able to walk at peace with Him, without having to struggle in every every way that Jesus, realizing and having faith that Jesus is going to lead them, what happens is it's very often like they're beggars. I mean, just it's hard to enjoy the fullness if we don't walk in faith. If we don't walk in faith and 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 have Him. In verse thirty-six, now hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire, "What is this?" You know, to the unbeliever, begin to inquire, what is this? 
What is this about your faith? What is this that you have? What is this that you're talking about? What is this about your faith? What's here? What's here for us in your faith? Begin to inquire. Go to a Bible study. Check it out. Go to a Bible study. Attend this thing. Talk to Christians. See what this thing is about. To those of you who are believers, begin to be a part. It says in, in, in Hebrews, it says, do not neglect the fellowship of the saints. And it's very easy to neglect fellowship in these days of virtual meetings and everything. We need one another. We have to have one another. So, learn to be with one another. If in these COVID days it has to be virtual, make sure you're faithful in it. Make sure you're faithful in it. Begin to inquire. Begin to have this relationship to other people. You cannot walk this life of Christian life alone. You'll certainly perish. Verse 37. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. They told him in verse 37 that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. Jesus was passing by. He knew he had to go at that time. The Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. Behold, now, now, today is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow. It's today. I have no, no, no uh, opportunity to witness to you, this to you maybe tomorrow. Today, if you hear this, turn your heart to him. Turn your life to him. This day, don't let this day go by. You think, well, I have to go home and pray about it. You don't have to pray about this. It is clearly that you are to come to Jesus You're to come to Jesus. What did the psalmist say in Psalm 119, verse 60? I made haste and I did not delay to keep your commandments. We right away go. You may never have an appeal like this again. You may never have an appeal like this where somebody is saying to you, come to Jesus this day, come to him. Or if you're a believer, learn to walk with him in faith and take hold of this in faith. Because God is good. Learn to take His Word and meditate upon it and pull these verses out and say, Lord, speak to me. And let these verses about a blind man begin to speak into your own life. Because Jesus was passing by. He was never going to go by that road again. Never going to walk by that, down that road again. That was it. This may be your last chance. This may be your last opportunity to come to Him. I urge you to come to Him today. <clears throat> then He says... It says, uh, uh, and he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This is a wonderful prayer. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on me. If you do not know the Lord, if you will just say this simple prayer, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus, if these things are true, teach me your ways. Teach me. And he will begin to do it. He'll begin to do it. He'll begin to teach you his ways. And then it says in verse 39, those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. You know, this is, I see this all the time. You know, I may, I may have a, a Bible study or something. If some person comes once and starts setting up some things, they kind of feel like they're in charge. And uh, they start <laughs> telling other people what to do and what not to do. And, and they've only come once and they've picked up and moved a couple of chairs. And now all of a sudden they feel like they're in charge and they start uh, bossing people around what they should do and what they shouldn't do. So those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. Remember what I told you. As soon as Jesus saw that a bunch of people were attacking an innocent man, telling him to be quiet, immediately Jesus went for him. Jesus always goes for the lowly. He always goes for those who are in trouble. He always reaches out to them. A dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. 
Jesus will always go for those who are crying out for him. Uh, uh, they, were, they were telling the children uh, uh, to just stay away from Jesus. As soon as Jesus heard that, he said, let the children come to me. And he started blessing them. He started actually laying his hands on them and blessing them. And he says, unless you become like this little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. As soon as they saw them, the people attacking the children and telling the children to stay away, Jesus said, let them in. That's exactly how Jesus is. If you have been cast out by your family, if you've been cast out by your friends, if you feel cast out by the world, if you've ever woken up and think, wow, this world would just be better off without me. Have you ever had that feeling? I have. Just, wow, this, this world would just be better off without me. This is a very common feeling. And God is right there. And he's saying, I want you. I care about you. And it's in those moments more than any other that his eye is on you. And he's saying, I love you. I love you. Come to me. Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Come to me. So he says, he stops. And, and, uh, um, and he, he, and so this man, even when people were telling him, be quiet, it says in verse 39, but he started crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. This applies even to the life of the believer. Sometimes people come to the Lord and, and their family will tell them. My, my family did when I came to the Lord. They were like, oh, you know, at first they tried to, to get me away from the Lord. And when they saw that that wasn't going to work, they said, well, okay, but you don't have to be so vocal about it. You don't have to talk about it so much. And and uh, they're always trying to pull you away. People around you will always be trying to passivate, to, to turn down your love for Jesus. To say, well, you don't have to be fanatical about it. And uh, and this guy just said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out all the more. And that's when Jesus gave him his attention. And, and Jesus stopped and he commanded that he be brought to him. He says, bring him to me. When you're in your lowest state and people are coming against you, when you're in your lowest state and people are coming against you, uh, it says that, that Jesus stopped and he commanded that he be brought to him. I, I think there's somebody who's become unmuted on there. So, so uh, uh, if, if the if the keeper would just just make sure that that the other parties are muted, uh, that would work better. So, so um, uh, it says it says it, it says that Jesus commanded that he be brought to him. Do you know Jesus commands you to come to him? Jesus commands you. This is his commandment that it, it, it says in 1 John uh, 3 verse 23. This is his commandment that we believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. This is his commandment. Yes, Jesus urges you to come. Yes, Jesus puts his love before you. Yes, Jesus draws you by the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's also a command. This is his commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. We are commanded to believe. We are commanded to believe. This is His commandment, that we believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and, and it says, And then He came near and He questioned Him. So Jesus now puts Him in this place where He's going to funnel Him in to giving the right response. It's like when you have a, a professor who wants to get an answer from you and, and he, the professor, he or she will just start asking questions to funnel you into the right answer. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, this is a great thing to remember when we go into prayer. The main reason why we do not receive answers to prayer, in James chapter 4, verse 2, the main reason is because we do not receive because we do not ask. 
The main reason we don't receive answers to prayer is because we flat out do not ask. That's what it says in the epistle of James. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Because all the guy was saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And a lot of times, believers in Jesus Christ, what they will do, they'll get into their prayer time. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I'm having such trouble in my life. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And God's saying, what do you want me to do for you? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. My life's so hard. Oh, Lord. Oh, what do you want me to do for you? This is what Jesus is saying. What do you want me to do for you? Because all this guy was doing was crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. How would you respond to somebody who kept repeating the same sentence over and over again? You'd be like, ah, oh, enough. When you, when you have, when you have a request, come to me. And then you walk away. He says, what do you want me to do for you? When you go into prayer, learn to ask for something. Learn to ask. Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? Boom, he's funneling in. Answer me. What is it you want? This is for the believer who goes into prayer. I want you to remember this. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, regain my sight. Lord, regain my sight. Lord, regain my sight. Four words. Four words in the form of a request. In the form of a request. Lord, regain my sight. Your request doesn't have to be a gazillion sentences. Your request doesn't have to be a string of Bible verses put together. Four words. Four words. Lord, regain my sight. That's all he said. Lord, regain my sight. And Jesus is like, finally, finally, I know what you want. Finally, you said it. How about we go into prayer and learn to ask for something? Lord, regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. That simple. Lord, regain my sight. Jesus said, receive your sight. Boom. You can start seeing again. Lord, receive, Lord, to regain my sight. And Jesus said, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Oh, how we have to walk in faith. As a believer, I want you to learn that you must walk in faith. You must believe that God means good for you in life. He is not against you. He is only for you. He is not against you. And as Paul cries out in the end of Romans chapter 7, Wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? He says, Thanks be to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who saves us from this body of death. He is the one. I'm going to believe and trust God that He wants the best for me. I'm going to pray and ask Him to bless my work. Pray and ask Him to bless my career. Pray and ask Him to instruct me and teach me. This is what I'm going to ask of Him. And I'm going to believe that He's going to do it. Your faith has made you well. We too must pray with faith, believing. It says in verse 43, immediately he regained his sight. Immediately he regained his sight and he began following him. When we gain our sight, when we see Jesus, follow him, follow him. Some people get saved and it's a sincere salvation. They receive the Lord, but they never follow him. They never follow him. Immediately he regained his sight and began to follow him. 
just started following Him. Just start following Jesus. If you've gotten saved and you never followed Jesus, I tell you, start following Him. He is a wonderful Lord and He always leads. He always leads. We don't always follow, but He always leads. Glorifying God, He began following Him, glorifying God. Give Just glorify God. You cannot thank Jesus enough for what He's done for you. I can't thank Him enough. Every good thing that God in heaven has for us has been funneled to us in Jesus Christ. I don't know if you can hear it. The, the, the church organ is going again and the people are singing. So I'm going to do the best I can uh, uh, under the circumstances here. But, but um, uh, follow Him. Start following Jesus this day. Follow Him. It says, it says that he began following him and glorifying God. Learn to give thanks to Jesus. You can't glorify him enough because every good thing that God has is funneled through Jesus Christ. Everything, every good gift, anything good, it comes through Jesus Christ. He is the, 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 the crystal. He is the, the, uh, the prism through which everything of God funnels down to us. It's all because of Jesus. You cannot thank and glorify Jesus enough. Jesus is the best, the best, the best in every way, and every day of my life shall I praise Him. And then it says, and when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. When people see what is going to happen in your life when you start following Him, they too will give praise to God. I want to look at just a couple verses before I close. I want you to look at, at Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the call of the gospel. Jesus says, Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. This is the call of the gospel. Come to me. Jesus says, come to me. All ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Have you made a mess of your life? Jesus said, come to me. I will give you rest. He says, you take my yoke upon you. You take my burdens, I'll take yours. You throw all this junk at at my feet, fine, I'll take it. I'll give you my joy. I'll give you my life. I'll give you my Holy Spirit. He says, you take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You can learn from Jesus. Oh, even to the believer, I say, would you learn to pick up his word like this? Read it and meditate on it. Read it slowly, pensively, deliberately. And say, Lord, speak to me from these passages. He says, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Jesus is not a taskmaster. He is gentle and kind in every way. Gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Jesus has rest for you. He has rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I'll tell you, in my Christian walk, as I learn to walk with Him more, I find that He takes care of the big things. He takes care of all these things before me as I learn to walk before Him. Jesus said, Jesus says, uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that He's risen from the dead, you will be saved. So if you do not know the Lord this day, I urge you, 
to get saved this day. Please do not let this day go by without getting saved. Don't let this day go by. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. There's two things here. One is the confession with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And the other is believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you will be saved. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you will be saved. You will be saved when you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. If this is something new to you, you've never heard this message before, I'm going to pray right now. And I ask you to give your life to Jesus this day. If you are a believer and you've never really taken hold of his word and seen the power of it, where you can just take a portion of scripture and start extracting truth like this, if you've never seen this before, I urge you to start reading the scriptures every day. Take the scriptures and start drawing it into your own life in this way. Draw it into your own life in this way. I'm going to pray and then I'll close in prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. All good gifts have come through you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done. Father, I pray that you would take those here who are listening, who are blind, as the Bible says, and can't see. Father, I pray that you'd open their eyes, that they would believe this day and repeat after me and say, I believe Jesus is Lord. Say it with me. I believe Jesus is Lord. And I believe that he has risen from the dead. I believe that he's risen from the dead. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving me life in you. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Blessed be your name. And Father, I pray for the believers here that they would learn to take your word and make it their daily, daily, daily meditation. Make it their daily meditation. That they would learn that this is not just a bunch of platitudes, but it is life itself. For the glory of Jesus. Lord, I commit this to you for the glory of Jesus and in his name. Amen. And I want to close with this word for you. If you're interested and you haven't received the Lord, I open up my life for a meeting with you. I'll give you one hour of my time. This is not for believers in Jesus. These are for people who do not believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. You contact me. You send me an email to tour at rice.edu, tour at rice.edu, and I will respond and we'll set up a Zoom time and I'll share with you one-on-one and you will get saved that very hour. That very hour you will get saved. Salvation will come to your life that very day. Please reach out to me and I'll give you an hour and you will get saved. Thank you.